Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 83 to worship the Lord with a psalm. Psalm 83, I trust that you love every word of God and that you love the precious psalms given to us, written down primarily by the man after God's own heart and then by his song leader, Asaph. We're thankful for these psalms that are so personal and so full of praise and worship that we can read in worship, we can read as a prayer, we can read as a blessing and praise to God. And we can read it for all the instruction that's in it of how God deals with His people. Let's all stand together and read in unison Psalm 33 together. Rejoice in the Lord. 33. Forgive me if I said 83. Psalm 33. Did I really say 83? Just, I just need all of you to nod to realize that I have a problem. Psalm 33. Psalm 33. Psalm 33 in unison. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto Him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto Him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all His works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the depths in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death, and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in Him, 
because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Amen and amen. You may be seated. The first verse tells us with imperative verbs that we ought to rejoice in the Lord if we're the righteous. O ye righteous, rejoice in the Lord. That's a commandment. That's instruction of something we ought to do. But then it explains what that is. It's praise. If you try to tell us that you're rejoicing in your heart, it's not good enough. Because if you're truly rejoicing in your heart, the way God made us is to bring that kind of joy out. You know, the world is celebrating March Madness right now in the NCAA basketball tournament of 68 teams. It begins with and ends up with a national champion. And let me tell you, they scream when they go to their religious assembly in a gym someplace for a team. But when we get excited about the Lord and we are rejoicing in Him, we should bring forth praise. Praise is comely. It's a beautifying thing. It's an adorning thing. And so we want to be people known for praise. So let's lift up the name of the Lord. Let's speak of all the great and marvelous things that He has done, some of which are right here in this psalm. When the righteous rejoice, it's the same as the upright praising. And it's comely for us to do that. In verse 3, in our worship, we want to sing unto Him a new song, and we want to play skillfully with a loud voice. So there are three elements there. Creativity, skill, and zeal. Do you see three elements in that one verse? Uh, verse three. Sing unto him with a new song. Well, to sing a new to- song takes some creativity. Because you've got to step out of the things you already know that you can kind of sing by rote. And you don't put as much into it as some new song where you're forced to consider what you're presenting to the Lord. And we're to play skillfully, although we don't play in the New Testament because the New Testament's told to sing. But we still do what we do as skillfully as we're able without putting undue emphasis on that skill of singing, and we do it with a loud voice, because there ought to be zeal and passion in our worship of God. How can we scream on Saturday or Friday at Clemson Outdoor Labs or with Duke beating a team by 45 points, how can we scream and then come into the Lord's house and just mumble or mutter? Or or lip words to Him. Let's come into His house and lift up His worship and His praise. I hope you can see in that verse that David is pointing out a number of things that we can do in our worship to make sure that it's fresh, alive, and pleasing to the Lord. In verse 4, why do we want to rejoice in Him? And what is the basis for our praise? For the word of the Lord is right. You hold in your hands the most right book in all the earth. And we shouldn't even compare it to any other book. The Bible compares it this way, let God be true, but every man a liar. You hold God's right word. He has the right answer for every question. He has the right declaration for every event in the universe. He has the right explanation. Praise the Lord. The word of the Lord is right and all His works are done in truth. Everything God has done is true and righteous altogether, as Psalm 19 would tell us. What a blessing to have His Word and His works and to know about them. Look at verses 6 through 9. It's about creation. Verse 6, by the Word of the Lord, God spoke and it was done. He said, let there be light, and there was light. 
The only big bang we believe in is the result of him speaking. Let there be light. There was a big bang and there was light. Or there was light and there was a big bang. That's the only bang that we'll ever acknowledge. But when God speaks, things happen. Is the point I'm making. There doesn't need to be a bang. If he says, let there be light silently, there's light silently. And there's light in the first day and the sun doesn't show up till the fourth day. That is our creator. That is Jehovah. I am that I am. I form the light. I create darkness. Isaiah 45 and verse 7. It says that he gathers all the waters of the sea together as a heap. He piles up the waters and he keeps them in his storehouses. Now, I spoke to you on Wednesday evening about the little situation in Japan. It was very small. They're just not a nation very good at taking care of disasters. If you measure their entire population, the number of people that were affected by it, it wasn't very big. The world wants you to adore their noble spirit. There's nothing noble about the Japanese. They're some of the most God-hating, skeptical, scornful, God-rejecting, truth-rejecting people on earth as measured by the world. And I gave you those statistics on Wednesday evening in a PowerPoint presentation. But I want you to notice here that in that seventh verse, it says he gathers the waters of the sea together and he piles them where they belong. And we looked at a number of verses to that fact, that he has bars and gates that keep the water from ever going where he doesn't want it to go. He chose to send that water on Japan. And they deserved it. The nation rejects God. 85% of the people profess to have no personal religion, even though they all sign themselves in on birth certificates as Shintos or Buddhists. And they sign them out as Buddhists. And they have 80,000 shrines to their national spirit and their national culture and their ancestors. But they reject the Creator God. They have no place at all. Less than 1% of the population is Christian by any denominational designation. They reject Jehovah, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Word of God for their foolish traditions of ancestor worship, reincarnation, nirvana, and the Japanese spirit. I don't hate the Japanese at all. We are by nature the children of wrath, even as they. God makes the difference. But when we read the Bible from cover to cover, we are not supposed to whitewash any of these things. Like this passage says right here, God has control of the waters. And he says in the next verse, let all the earth fear the Lord. And I showed you on Wednesday evening that God does the things that he does so that men might know themselves to be but men. And what does he say in Psalm 9, verse 16 and 17? He says he brings the works of the wicked down upon their own heads and he will turn every nation into hell. That forgets God. Should we not preach the text because it isn't politically correct? God said, by the sweet psalmist of Israel, while plucking a harp, he turns the nations that forget God into hell. And so we saw scenes of destruction this past week, but we understand the Lord is in charge of it all. And here's the result that ought to take place, but doesn't because the heart of man is willfully and rebelliously set in them against the God of heaven. The second half of verse 8 says, Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. What was my bottom line to you on Wednesday evening? Psalm 4.4 Stand in awe and sin not. The effect of it on us 
should be to stand in awe of our Creator, which is what's under discussion right here in these verses of Psalm 33, and sin not. For He spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. There is nothing that takes place in this world unless God gave commandment for it to take place. Remember, did the Japanese know better? Did the Japanese know better than to be Shintos and Buddhists? The Bible says in Psalm 19, 1 through 6, and I'm repeating myself a little bit, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day into day uttereth speech, and night into night showeth knowledge. There has been a sermon preached every single day, every single night, to every inhabitant of that rocky island, 6,600 islands there in the Pacific. If you go on and read the first six verses of Psalm 19 from where I'm quoting, it says the sun has been set in the heavens as its tabernacle. It makes it circuit around the earth. It's like a strong man ready to run a race. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. The rising sun is the number one display of God's glory according to Psalm 19. And what is the nickname of that nation? The land of the rising sun. What is their flag? That is not a ketchup splotch. That is the rising sun. Because the Japanese wake up every morning to the best sunrise of any nation on earth. They have the entire Pacific Ocean before them as that sun rises, and that's why that's their emblem. Romans chapter 1 would say that God has clearly revealed His eternal power and Godhead so that those things can be understood through the things that are made. So that they are without excuse. Right. Now see, what I, what I say from this pulpit is not politically correct. You know, Americans are all feeling sorry for them. Where does it teach us that in the Bible? It doesn't teach us that. It teaches us Psalm 33, Psalm 9, and every other place in the Bible. We pray for God's elect among them just like we did on Wednesday evening. Right. We're thankful for the 68 visitors from Japan in the last one month to our website. But here it is. Here's the word of the Lord. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Brethren, we want to fear the Lord. We want to stand in awe of Him. And we want to stand in awe and we want to sin not. If we, if we stand in awe of Him or say we're standing in awe of Him, and then we go ahead and sin, we're not standing in awe of Him. We are hypocrites of the highest order. Lord, save us from such hypocrisy. The efforts of men are such a joke. Verse 10, the Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. They can build their sea walls and it doesn't matter one bit. He just slaps up a few feet of water and it just wipes their towns away like kindling. Just a few feet. That's all it was. It wasn't anything major. If you want to talk about something major, imagine the tsunami that covered Mount Everest. That was in Noah's day. And it didn't make the papers because there wasn't a press functioning. Noah was inside the ark. Covered every high mountain. Its little runoff made things like the Grand Canyon. This is the God we worship. And He's our Father. And He wants us to see His works. The flood was a work. It drowned every human being on earth. Was Noah boohooing over the matter? He preached to them for 120 years. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. But the counsel of the Lord standeth forever. Look at the difference. Right. 
There's a counsel in verse 10. There's a counsel in verse 11. The counsel in verse 10 is the, of this world and the heathen. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. It never comes to pass. It never achieves its end. The world is not getting better and better. The world is getting worse and worse because man is more and more involved with less and less of an, ex- an admittance and a submission to the glory of God. But his counsel stands forever. That's his secret will, and you can make it his revealed will. His secret will stands forever, and his revealed will stands forever. I don't care which one you make it. The thoughts of his heart extend to all generations. But brethren, here's a text. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And who is that Lord? Some ancestor? Who is that Lord? Some previous generation of the Japanese? Who is that Lord? The Great Spirit? Who is that Lord? Allah? Who is that Lord? Vishnu? Who is that Lord? Brahma? Who is that Lord? Buddha? Who is that Lord? Jehovah. Jehovah. That's why it's in all caps, my dear brethren. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That stands for Jehovah. That is the Hebrew sacred tetragrammaton of four consonants. From the words, I am that I am, which we point up with vowels to pronounce it in European languages. Vowels taken from his other two names in Hebrew, Adonai and Elohim. So we get J-E-H-O-V-A-H, Jehovah. There is no God like him. Praise the Lord. and His counsel stands forever. And blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We confess as a nation that God is our Lord and God we trust. We circulate in our pockets. One nation under God. We say with hands on hearts, looking at some piece of cloth. But this nation has denied and rejected God by their works, by their laws, by their entertainment, by their injustice, by their murder of babies. So we need to pray for our nation as we already have. We need to continue to pray for our nation that God will preserve it for the sake of the righteous that are within it. Just like Abraham prayed about Sodom and Gomorrah, he didn't pray for the other inhabitants to be saved in Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't care about the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah. You say you're a heartless, cruel wretch. All I want to do is follow the Bible as closely as I can. I don't want to go beyond the Bible, but I don't want to come short of the Bible. Right. All Abraham cared about was, how many souls did he start with? Fifty. Shall the Lord destroy the righteous with the wicked? And he worked himself down to Lot's immediate family of ten. Right. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. There is election. God said that he chose Israel not because they were the greatest of nations, but because they were the least of all nations. He chose to love them because, he said in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 and 7, I loved you because I loved you. I chose to love you. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. That's what God, none of us deserve the compassion of God. We rejected the compassion of God when we were created in the Garden of Eden in our first father, and we rejected it every day since. It is by His mercy that we are saved. But we're part of a holy nation, brother, and we have an inheritance. We have been chosen to be part of the family of God, the heavenly kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. A holy nation, as First Peter chapter 2 describes it. And we have an inheritance far better than the earthly inheritance of the Israelites. We have heaven as our inheritance. And we've been chosen to it and predestinated to it, as Romans 8.29 shall shortly tell us. 
The Lord tells us here that He looks upon men. He, he looks down from heaven. He sees every single one of them. He fashions their hearts alike by nature. He considers all their works. And here's what they do. Here's the difference among men. Verse 17, some trust in horses. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Verse 17 says, neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. A horse is much stronger than a man, but he cannot deliver a man by his great strength. Verse 18, I mean, verse 16, I skipped over, I'm sorry. There is a king, there is no king saved by the multitude of an host. doesn't matter how big the army is. You can sit down and do all the calculating you want of how many tanks you have, of what kind, how many planes you have, of what kind. It doesn't matter. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. Just ask Gideon. How many did Gideon have? 300. He started out with some more than that, didn't he? But the Lord wanted to whittle it down until he looked at it on paper and said, impossible. The Lord said, go. Blow on a trumpet and hold up your torch. Go. And all those Midianites just pulled out their swords and killed each other. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. There is no king save of the multitude of an host. You don't need to be afraid of any army in the earth at any time. All we need to do is put our trust in the Lord. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. It doesn't matter how much time you've spent in the weight room. You can go down with some little microorganism that gives you the flu and that great big 260-pound chunk of man that bench presses 520 pounds for reps is hanging over the porcelain pony just like everyone else, emptying out his guts and lying in bed in, a, in, a, in sweat with a fever and can't do a thing. He can hardly lift his head off the pillow. Verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him, upon them that hope in His mercy. Right. Heavenly Father, we hope in Thy mercy in this hour. And we trust that we truly fear before Thee in the way that You describe and define fear in Your precious Word. Heavenly Father, teach us to fear Thy name according to Thy commandments. Fill us by Thy Spirit with a proper, holy, sacred, sober, godly fear of Thee. O Lord, not a terror or a paranoia that would go and run and hide ourselves in the trees of the garden like our father Adam did, but a fear that would run to Thee and confess our sins and our faults and tell Thee how much we adore Thee and love Thee and help us to magnify Thy name in all the earth. Help us to stand in awe of Thee. Help us, O Lord, to praise Thee, not only in our hearts but with our lips. Help us to sing a new song unto Thee and to sing skillfully with a loud noise. Let us lift up Thy name. We thank Thee that the counsel of the Lord standeth to a thousand generations. And that in Your counsel You sent the Lord Jesus Christ to be our Savior. And You chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Long before we had any being, You had inscribed our names in the book of life and sent Your Son to die for our sins. Holy Father, we do adore Thee in this hour. And we pray that you would have mercy upon us. And in that mercy do we hope. We hope for thy mercy, for our physical needs, spiritual needs, professional needs, family needs, marital needs, church needs, national needs. And Holy Father, we trust in thy mercy for our eternal destination and inheritance. Have mercy upon us. O oh God, have mercy upon us. For we are sinners, but we thank thee. For thy predestinating adoption through Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.